From breaking news to local stories happening where you live, this is the Jill Bennett Show podcast. Hello, hello, hello. It's Jody Vance sitting in for Jill for the next couple of days. Good to be with you on a very busy local news day, whether it's the municipality of Vancouver or Metro Vancouver or the province of British Columbia, and really actually even we can go so far as Canada in what we're covering off today. Um, A lot to get to. We are going to chew on the park board drama. It's similar drama, different players. Once again, there's upheaval around the Vancouver Park Board. We're going to talk about travel. Uh, and and holiday travel in particular, some do's and don'ts with holiday travel with Duncan D, the former COO of Air Canada, somebody who knows how bad those issues can get and what you need to do to make sure that you travel as as simply, conveniently and easily as possible. Remember those good old days where travel didn't take uh, backflips? I can always be reached at Jody at cknw.com. That's Jody with a Y at cknw.com. I think we should have a Jill jar every time I fill in for Jill. Somebody calls me Jill. I love it. I love it. Very flattered by that, but we're going to have a Jill jar. We'll have to hit it. Tim French will will keep track of that as he is flying the enterprise um, at the TD Tower broadcast studios of CKNW. Um, We are going to get into what uh, happened with the BC Health Authority with with Dr. Bonnie Henry in particular and uh, Health Minister Adrian Dix giving a COVID-19 and respiratory update today. Kind of rare now. We got so used to those daily. What was said today? What do you need to know? We'll get into that a little later in the show and also uh, chat things through with Jason Tetro, a regular here on the program we love to have the scientist on, the super awesome science guy. But we're going to start with Park Board in sort of a different dimension than whether or not it's going to even exist a year from now, as you heard with Mike Smith. Uh, Maybe you didn't. Dan Fumano wrote a great article on this uh, in the Southern Province that you should uh, have a look at because it's such a complex dance that's going on within the party that is ABC, that has a super majority in City Hall, as well as on the Park Board. And yet there's a lot of dysfunction there. We're going to get to that coming up in just 30 minutes time as as Brendan Bastiovansky, very outspoken, now independent Park Board Commissioner, who was elected as an ABC Park Board Commissioner, is going to join me after the news to 1230. But up first, we're talking park in a different way, because if you go back to September 2nd, 2002, if this is a tweet. Did it age well or not? We're about to find out because ABC Vancouver actually put out a tweet that said an ABC majority on park board will permanently allow alcohol consumption at all Vancouver parks with adequate facilities. We'll also ask staff to initiate a supervised pilot allowing alcohol consumption at Vancouver beaches. There were some test cases there and what have you. And there's also a greater thing than parks around liquor regulations. And whether or not it's time that Vancouver grew up, because other municipalities that border on Vancouver have already grown up. If you're in Richmond and you go to the hair salon, you can bring a bottle of bubbly. You can have a glass of champagne while you're getting your hair done. Illegal in the city of Vancouver. Those types of things. Can can establishments be close together on, say, the Granville Entertainment District? There are restrictions there. Is it time for our liquor laws in Vancouver, the regulations in Vancouver, to grow up? with how the city has grown up. Our next guest would say, uh, yes, if you follow him on social media, certainly he is Jeff Guinard, the executive director at ABLE BC, BC's Alliance of Beverage Licenses. Jeff, always good to talk with you. Thanks for doing this. Oh, it's my pleasure, Jody. Nice to chat with you as well. 
I love going through your Twitter feed because I'm one of those people. <laughs> well, not everybody needs to drink. Let's just say that up front. You don't want to drink? Don't drink. Yeah. And everybody <laughs> should drink responsibly. Do not drink and drive. Absolutely. Absolutely. But anybody who's taken a trip really anywhere outside of Canada or even like go to Europe, you can get a beer anywhere and like walk yeah. around with it. And and it's not Armageddon. It's not the end of days. Like what are we looking at here in terms of why we haven't grown up enough in, in I think you and you're you're in my shared opinion. Uh, in twenty twenty three in Vancouver. Yeah, it's it's pretty frustrating for consumers sometimes, particularly when they travel to other jurisdictions and they, they come back asking why why do we have these weird roles? In Vancouver, there's been a couple of silly ones that have been placed for far too long. Uh, and you get your liquor license from the province, for example. Uh, so the province of British Columbia says, yes, you can own a bar. We've determined you don't have a criminal background. You're a good person. And cities should just be kind of governing land use through their bylaws. But they started to take those provincial liquor licenses and we divide them into like eight different classes depending on the size of the establishment. And then they you know, had a distance criteria between them. So if you owned a little cocktail bar with 50 seats, you had to be like 150 meters away from another one that had 50 seats. And you ask yourself, why, right? And ABC why? came in and with a goal to make Vancouver more fun and interesting, and they asked those questions as well, and they couldn't answer them. So we're going to get rid of a lot of those city rules so that if you want to open up an establishment beside another establishment, it, you would be able to. And it's actually a really smart thing. There's a, a concept in economics called clustering, right? So you put two or three or four or five you know, bars or restaurants and coffee shops together, places that are serving alcohol. And if you can't get into one, you go to the next one, you bounce around between them, and it just creates more vibrancy in those neighborhoods. And it's good for the local economy. So those are the kind of changes we're going to see. And it can't come too quick for the hospitality industry right now. No kidding. It has been a tough go for restaurants, uh, bars, and and even hotels, for that matter. Oh, uh, Jeff, absolutely. Why? why, though? Who's going to push back on this? Why has it taken to this point for you to bring, you're bringing the hospitality um, sector partners together here yeah. to try and, and create um, just commonsensical. I mean, why wouldn't you be able to have more bars and restaurants next to one another, where, where you can in some parts of Vancouver, but yeah. in other parts you cannot like what, what's the rationale there? Can you, can you simplify it for those of us who find these questions so confusing? Yeah, well, first off, one of the reasons that in the municipalities around the province and including the provincial government as well are inspired to make some positive changes here is the pandemic was really hard on our businesses. And I, I know we don't want to talk about the pandemic anymore, but at the end of the day, the hospitality industry has not seen the full financial fallout. We still have half, fully half of industry out there that are either losing money or barely breaking even. We've got loans coming due with the federal government that we can't afford to pay uh, and sometimes right. these regulations, they feel like in addition to the financial framework, you just put the handcuffs on. So when you go to government and, you know, the eight councillors here at ABC and the mayor, and we explain our challenges. They started looking at these rules, which, you know, this happens a lot of times when they're on the books. People just spend more time enforcing them and questioning whether or not they're the right rules. So you go and staff, uh, city council staff, you know, explain why the rules are there. But you can't really answer what these distance criteria came in. Typically, they were solving a problem from 20 years ago that no longer makes sense. Uh, or we just thought of things backwards. And a good example would be on Granville Street. They had a, a moratorium on the amount of, you know, we call them drinking seats, the overall capacity for any bars on that street. And then that was often saying people saying, well, you can't have more people here. There's public health concerns or safety concerns. Whereas we look at it as, well, yeah, there's a lot of people on the street. 
because we have no room for them in the bars because we don't have enough capacity. Yeah. So we can add more pubs, yeah. bars, and different kinds of experiences. You know, the, things don't happen in the bars, in the, in the pubs, right? We've got staff in there. We have security. We take care of all of those things. Our industry are experts in dealing with that, making sure people are not getting intoxicated, that we get them home if we need to. But if we can put them in there off the street, it reduces all those incidences. And that, that's happened over and over around the world. So now, finally, we've gotten to a spot where this council wants to make changes. And I think one of the differences, too, is, you know, some folks on last uh, council and under the last mayor want to make changes, but there was not a consensus. They didn't have enough political support. Now, as a majority on council, ABC can make the kind of bold, innovative changes that our industry has been asking for for years and years and years. last couple of years when we were once again free to move about the globe somewhat anyway made a good friend in our next guest over the course of the last couple of years because he is an air travel specialist and he's got the resume to prove it as the former chief operating officer of air canada he is duncan d welcome back to the show duncan thanks for having me jody let's dive right in because you know december (laughs) Everybody has to get where they're going. They're trying to find the deals. They want to travel perhaps as, as, as cost effectively as possible, but at the same time have some reliability uh, as far as getting to their destination with their luggage on time. As a travel specialist, air travel specialist, can you, can you give us an idea of whether or not, I guess we begin with the airlines and airports are prepared to deliver Uh, this holiday season? Jody, that's a great question. And I think that's a question that's on the minds of many travelers. As you mentioned in your introduction, we've had a couple of years of just very challenging travel experiences, especially during the peak Christmas travel period. I want to be positive this year. And there's one thing that's making me feel slightly more comfortable 2023 versus 2022 and 2021 And that's because the calendar, Uh, we've got December 25th, Christmas Day falling on a Monday this year, which basically means that the travel peak spreads out a little bit more than it would last year and the year before when Christmas was on a Sunday and a Saturday. So you've got people who can take off work um, over two days to get uh, home in time for Christmas, or for those who want to take days off, they can do so several days before the peak. So my prediction is that I think this year's Christmas peak will not be as intense as they were in 2022 and 2021. So that's the, on the predictable side. I think that's something we've got going for us in 2023. The one thing that you, know you what mentioned. I, that's that's, a, that's a really good point. Uh, hold on. I just want to let that sink in. The, the simple fact that everybody will now have a stat holiday that starts the week as opposed to being like, got to get there on Friday, got to be there, and then it's Saturday, and then we got to turn around, and then we got to be back, and we got it the way it hit last year versus this year. It's a little bit more spread out. I just wanted to make sure that, because that, I hadn't thought of that, and yet I am experiencing that without even traveling. That has softened yeah. the, the schedule. I, I can tell. I can tell you, Jody, for airline uh, schedule planners, folks who plan uh, Christmas travel peak for airlines throughout uh, the world, the fact that December 25th is on a Monday is a huge, huge gift in terms of being able to ensure that you've got several days of a peak as opposed to everything peaking on that Friday 
before Christmas yeah. or that Saturday before Christmas. So that's one thing we've got going for us. Uh, the one okay, thing so that to we next have point. that yeah. is, so the one thing that we've got that's unpredictable, which you already mentioned, is weather. We do not know yet what weather is going to do to us in about two weeks' time. We're two weeks away from Christmas Day, uh, believe it or not. Four, uh, 13 shopping days left uh, before uh, Christmas. So, you know, we do not know yet what's, what it's going to look like across the continent. Remember last year when we had snowstorms happening on the worst possible days of the Christmas travel peak? And that reverberated not just through the Christmas uh, holiday period, but well into January. So, you know, we're going to keep a close eye over the next few days on what Christmas is going to look like. And so I think that what we can expect is hopefully less intense peak travel days this year versus what we've experienced over the last couple of years because of the calendar. And with some luck, we should be able to uh, have less weather disruptions just by the mere fact that they will have more recovery days uh, in the lead up to the actual day of Christmas uh, 2023. So now in terms of preparation, let, let's muse this. I'm going to go international travel. I'm going to prepare myself to go on my holiday trip. I'm going to need to go through customs. I'm going to need to be prepared for my trip. Am I checking a bag what are the risks associated with that? Have airlines and airports sorted out the mayhem that was uh, last holiday season? Or was that all really, truly impacted by weather? Or was it staffing? Was it a, a perfect storm? Pardon the pun. How are, we, how are we best preparing for our travel this holiday season if we are going on an international flight? Look, if I look at the crystal, uh, my crystal ball and what we've experienced so far in 2023, it is undoubtedly better this year than it was in 2022 and, um, and years before. Things seem to have settled down more than they have in the lead up to the Christmas period last year. Having said that, uh, WestJet and Air Canada were the two worst performing airlines in North America for on-time performance for the month of October, which is a very uh, good month to measure because you don't have very large peak travel days and you don't have many weather disruptions. So the fact that WestJet right. and Air Canada were the number nine and number 10 ranked airlines of the 10 largest airlines in North America for on-time performance really was you know, extremely difficult to accept for Canadian travelers. Having said that, I think that if we go into this Christmas travel period, I can't imagine we will be reliving what we lived through uh, in 2022, which was just, as you mentioned, a perfect storm on top of a perfect amount of uh, poor planning and really just some basic incompetence at many of the different agencies that we need to be competent during these uh, peak travel periods. So Duncan, Duncan D is our guest. He is an air travel specialist, a former COO of Air Canada. What are we doing wrong in Canada with, with Air Canada and WestJet? What is not working to be 9 and 10? So, you know, uh, that's a great question, Jody, and it's one that I've been contemplating uh, since these numbers came out. Because to have WestJet and Air Canada both ranking yeah. on the bottom rung 
tells you that it's not just an airline, you know, this is not just WestJet doing something poorly or Air Canada doing something poorly. This is a system-wide problem that we're facing in Canada. We saw it over the summer months when you had WestJet CEO tweeting that he was on a plane ready to leave Calgary, but they couldn't get into Vancouver because they didn't have enough air traffic controllers. You know, this is the aircraft that the CEO of WestJet was sitting on that had to delay itself by about an hour before it could get to Vancouver because the air traffic control situation was out of control. Now, in terms of uh, this Christmas, I haven't heard of air traffic control delays through uh, the fall period, but you know, with a peak travel period coming up, we, we should hope and we have every indication to believe that NAV Canada has adequate staffing planned for the peak travel period, which starts in about uh, seven days from now. So, you know, I think we're uh, hopefully better prepared from an air traffic control perspective. That leaves other agencies like CATSA, the air traffic security uh, agency. They've got new procedures this year, which they did not have last year. And so those are things which hopefully will be helpful through to the air travel experience. And I can certainly expand on that uh, further uh, if you'd like. Getting ourselves ready for holiday air travel. Are you taking a trip? Are you going to see a loved one? Are you maybe jetting away and 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 having some time finally to uh, go somewhere and experience something fun after years of it being so stressful? And last year certainly it was stressful for those who decided that 2022 holiday was going to be their thing. Uh, Snowmageddon, uh, disruptions, airlines losing luggage. Oh my gosh, the visuals are enough to cause you to want to just staycation. But no, we need to get back out there. We need to do our things. We need to mix and mingle and travel and do. And helping us get there is Duncan D, air travel specialist, former COO at Air Canada. And we are opening up phone lines right now. If you have a question about how best to navigate air travel, here's your opportunity to chat with somebody who knows the system very, very well. 604-280-9898 or star 9898 is a free call on your cell. Maybe you want to know what your best move is if your luggage goes missing. What's the first thing you should do? Or if your flight gets canceled while you're waiting at the gate, what should you do? Those are the types of questions that I want to get to. But you teased us before the break, Duncan, about some changes that have already come into play and what those might look like from the traveler's perspective. Uh, bring us bring us along at, at what is improving and what might be different. So CATSA finally this year uh, has introduced a, a trusted traveler screening program. So if you're a member of Nexus or Global Entry, which are two uh, trusted traveler programs that are run by the Canada Border Services Agency, then you benefit from this new expedited screening uh, process at airports like YVR, where you no longer have to remove your liquids and gels from your bag and you simply go through like you did before 9-11. And so that is a huge benefit for those travelers, but it also removes a lot of those travelers from their regular lines. So those lines uh, that used to take forever for all the travelers are now uh, proceeding much more smoothly. They've had several months of experience with this. They've had experience and numbers from the U.S. where they've been doing it for over 10 years. And now Canada's on board. They're doing it in Canada. So hopefully this Christmas season we'll see a much smoother experience through the security at Canadian airports, which has been a huge bottleneck over the last few years where travelers have seen 
waits of up to two and three hours long just to get through that airport security process. Yeah, what a nightmare. Let's go to the phone lines. Uh, Malcolm in Delta, welcome to the program. Uh, what are your thoughts or what's your question for Duncan D? I work inside that airport. I have been in it? there for 13 years. And last year's, I won't say the word, cluster, you know what, was entirely attributable because they didn't have a plan. And the CEO comes out of her de- from under her desk and throws the people, the contractors, under the bus. Ladies and gentlemen, YVR owns the de-icing fluid. The company that has it couldn't get any more. Number two, NAVCAN has been contracted out. My son has been trying to get in there for the last three years. They have a questionnaire by this contracting company that you have to be an Einstein or an Oppenheimer just to understand. And CATSA contracted out. All of them, they've been contracted out and they've come up with their own sets of rules to get in there. It's a very frustrating, and the problem being is it's always the case. The people way up in the nosebleed section completely forget about what it is like to be down on the ground level. And like I said, 13 years I've been in there. What have you been doing, Malcolm? What's your job, I'm in grooming. I'm I'm a contractor with the grooming side of the world. Right. No, we're not. not uh, we take care of the grooming of the plane oh, to make inside. sure it's clean. The gotcha. inside of the planes, the, the laundry, you name it, that type of thing. The, but you get to know a lot of people inside the airport over the years. 9-11, this airport was top-notch in getting planes parked properly into places. Now, granted, there was a lot of snow and ice, but they, we were talking about get the tugs and the sweepers to get the planes away from the... the um, the gates, put them out into the, into the boondocks and get the other planes in, such as the Air India that was out there for 17 hours, the British that was out there for 17 hours, that type of thing. There was no coordination whatsoever. They don't listen to the people down below because they don't trust us. For, and yet we, we've been there, there for, for sure. years. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, Thank yeah. you, Malcolm. Thank you. Great call. Great call. Uh, Duncan, we've only got a minute here, but uh, it so- sounds like that wouldn't be unique to YVR. It's not unique to YVR, but Malcolm has hit the nail on the head. You know, far too many bosses spend far too much time sitting in their offices and not really being on the floor. I used to spend Christmas peaks on the airport uh, floor talking to employees and uh, customers to make sure that we could fix issues as they were happening. So that is a great call from Malcolm and great advice in terms of getting the bosses on the floor during the peak to solve the problems as they occur. It also reminds us, Duncan, to uh, not vent our frustration toward those who are working so hard with the tools they've been given to get us through the gate, to get us onto our plane on time, to get us organized on that aircraft and then on our way in a timely manner. It's a it's a keep your cool reminder as well in holiday travel. As always, Duncan D., I appreciate your time, my friend. Thank you for this. Thanks, Jody. Happy holidays. Jody Vance in for Jill Bennett. Thought we would uh, have some fun here as the Golden Globe nominations are in. They were announced this morning. There are some snubs and some surprises. And uh, 
perhaps some ideas of movies that you should get watching before uh, the awards are handed out. Really thrilled to welcome to the show Rick Forchak, TV Week magazine columnist and CKNW contributor and longtime friend. I haven't had the chance to talk with you on the air in a long time, Rick. I'm excited to do so. It has been many moons. Absolutely, Jody. How are you, my friend? I'm excellent. How about you? I'm good, thank you very much. Were you up bright and early watching things roll out Golden Globe style? I'm up bright and early anyway, but yes. Yes, to <laughs> answer, answer your question, yes, I was there. Uh, okay, so let's um, let's start here. Cedric the Entertainer, along with uh, Wilmer Valderrama, were making the announcements. Here was Cedric the Entertainer talking about the best female actor in musical or comedy. Listen to this. Best performance by a female actor in a motion picture, musical, or comedy. Fantasia Barino, The Color Purple. <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence, No Hard Feelings. Natalie Portman, May, December. Alma Poisty, Fallen Leaves. Margot Robbie, Barbie. Emma Stone, Poor Things. So again, there you go. We were all thinking, kind of give me goosebumps when he said Barbie, because when we watched the Barbie movie, many were like, wow, this might actually win her an Oscar. Do you, with nine nods, nine nominations, Barbie movie, uh, a resounding success at the box office, obviously. Do you think Margot Robbie is the front runner here? No, I don't. I think she's a contender, but I don't think she's a front runner. And let's let's dispel a myth right off the top, Jody. Um, a, a lot of people are of the mind that Golden Globes equal Oscars. So if somebody got a Golden Globe nomination and then a Golden Globe award, they had an inside track to the Oscars. But when you do the comparisons and you look back over the last 30 years, there's no significant correlation between the two. Half the time, the person who's nominated for the Golden Globe doesn't win it. And half the time, the ones who won it don't even get nominated for an Oscar, let alone get an Oscar. So the Golden Globes are not half sort of the... the wow. Yeah, they're just not a uh, not a premier award show. They're a fun one to watch. I find the Golden Globes the one most fun to watch, and that's because people drink. That's what it's all about. <laughs> they have all I the tables at the back there. You know, my wife, yeah. Betty Boop, and I were at the Beverly Hilton uh, in that room, looking at the room when they were setting up for the Golden Globes several years ago. And you just recognize that uh, there's a lot of booze and a lot of stuff going to go on there. And people have a little bit too much medicine. And it's always entertaining when they come down front, having gotten something, uh, an award of some sort, and they have to stumble their way through what they're going to say. So that's the fun of the Golden Globes for me. In terms of its real um, setting as a as a proper kind of uh, prognosticator of what's really good in cinema and television and music, uh, not so much. I think it's gone through some hard times, deservedly, very deservedly. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. I'm surprised it's actually back. It's on CBS this year. It used to be on NBC. And uh, when all of the controversy occurred in 2021, NBC canceled the show. And for two years, it did not appear on that network. And it's back. I agree with you, though, that it is the most fun as a viewer to watch this show, to see the to see the stars that are largely unscripted, or even if they had scripted themselves, uh, they have uh, partaken in libations, as you say. They have. Um, and then they, they'll just like lean into whatever they're feeling in the moment, which is kind of fun to watch as a viewer, uh, where the Oscars seem... Um, 
stuffy. I don't know, somehow at the, the it's stuffy. Thank you. And next, I was going to say next level, but you're right. It is. It's stuffy, but all of these award shows are super long, but I'm a nerd. I love them. I do. I, and, and I want to know what you think in terms of the snubs and surprises. So Oppenheimer got eight nominations, uh, led the film nomination nominations, uh, along with Barbie and then, uh, succession HBOs. Cause it's also streaming and TV and what have you FX, the bear. I love the bear. Uh, only murders in the building. Uh, got five, uh, it's a succession, the bear and only murders in the building with five nominations each. Do you, th- do you see a snub in there? I'm not in there. I think those are all okay. I think the biggest snub that I would have noticed is that uh, Viola Davis did not get nominated for Best Supporting Actress uh, for her role in Air, the uh, Air Jordan story. She was sensational in that film. She had a relatively small part, but it didn't matter. When she was on the screen, it just lit up, and she got uh, passed over, and that's uh, disappointing. Yeah. She's spectacular, isn't she? I was thinking in the in the uh, streaming um, lane. I was surprised Jennifer Aniston wasn't mentioned. Yeah, that's interesting. Show. Yeah, yeah, for the morning show. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I hadn't thought about that uh, as being uh, a, a snub, but yeah, it definitely is for sure. For sure, it is. Because Billy Billy Kudrup got got um, a nom there for yes. morning show, correct? Yep, he that's is right. Fantastic. That's right. Killers of the Flower Moon. Your thoughts on that movie? Well, I liked the movie. I thought it was a very, very good film. I liked a lot of things about it. I did not read the book. Many people who read the book said that uh, there were some things about the book that didn't translate well to the big screen, and uh, they were disappointed. Not having read the book, I was not disappointed. I thought Leo DiCaprio did a fine job being a not very nice guy. And I really Mm -hmm. enjoyed the fact that they used indigenous people in the roles that were for indigenous people and that they told the story true and straight up. And uh, that is that uh, uh, these people were treated extremely badly. But at one point, they were, uh, by individual, the wealthiest people on the planet because of the oil that had been discovered on their land. So it's a great story of um, uh, just human tragedy in many respects and greed and money. Uh, so I liked the movie, thought it was terrific. And it, uh, I think it will really perform well at the Oscars. I think it really will, Jody. I, I have my finger, fingers crossed on that. I, I was invited to the screening of that before it was released into theaters. And I was stunned and struck in my seat by the, the performance. And for me was Lily Gladstone. Yes. I, it, it was astonishingly impactful and then to learn after the fact in in interviews where with Robert De Niro and Leo DiCaprio and others on various late night TV shows and their discussions about how the uh, indigenous peoples who were in the movie were actually not for the most part actors they they were just they were just there being themselves and being filmed for the movie. And you can feel the authenticity in this film. I love Killers of the Flower Moon for sure. What other um, standouts do you see as we look at these Golden Globe noms or other uh, films or shows that that you as as the expert, you've been the expert for forever? <laughs> well, like, you know what? There, there are no experts in this business. It's just uh, this week your guess you is are. good and next week it's not very good. Um, <laughs> you are... I think that Ryan Gosling is uh, deserving of his nomination for Barbie, yes. uh, only because yes. he was uh, not playing against type. He was playing himself in many respects. I uh, thought he was 
extremely well represented there. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. in Oppenheimer, same thing. He was terrific in that film. I really like the fact that uh, he's gotten a nomination, and I like the movie a lot. And uh, Emily Blunt for Oppenheimer, understated performance, but a great performance. I think Oppenheimer is going to be one of the two big movies to watch at the Oscars, the other being Flower Moon. But uh, these are great, Mm -hmm. great people, great films. On television, you mentioned Succession, The Last of Us. Uh, This is interesting. Uh, This is a post-apocalyptic kind of thing. It was shot in Alberta. And the second season is going to be shot here in the Lower Mainland. And it's a terrific series. I'm glad to see its nomination. Uh, be interesting to see how The Crown does, because uh, the bloom has kind of come off the rose with that series. It was the biggest thing on television when Netflix, uh, Netflix first started airing The Crown. Um, the last uh, half, or sorry, the first half of the last season, not as strong in terms of people watching, although I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. It was excellent to see. So I'm glad to get some get some representation. Uh, but uh, like the Golden the Globes overall, Jody, um, the problem is that uh, this this organization, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, had really become more of a sham than anything else. And in 2021, when all of the, well, the fertilizer hit the ventilator with this stuff, there was a lot of really mm-hmm. bad things that happened. And the uh, president of the uh, association was dismissed. He's been, uh, Brendan Fraser, for example, uh, who's in the movie The Whale, uh, Fraser said so he will good. not attend the awards this year, and he right. won't do that because um, he w- had a run-in with uh, this uh, former president of the association and uh, said that he was sexually assaulted. And all of those kinds of things have come out with this association. Conflicts of interest, bribery, uh, no diversity. For example, in 2021, um, most of the black-led product was ignored. And there are no black people yes. in the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. So uh, Spike Lee's the They've five corrected bloods, that is, since, though. Yeah. That's Sorry, right. have they not? Okay, good. They good. have. Yeah. They've corrected it. Continue. They Spike they Lee's the blood. It. Right. Yeah, they say they've corrected it, and we'll see. Uh, There is no host for the show yet, which is just a few weeks away, early January. Uh, Chris Rock said thank you, but no thank you. And uh, everyone who's been approached so far has said, nope, not interested. So it'll be interesting Mm -hmm. to see what they get for a host. But... Uh, the fun of the thing, as I said, they drink, they have fun. It's great. I love award shows anyway, uh, especially when movies and television are both involved. So we'll see how it goes. Um, I'll be there. I'll be in the front row in front of my TV, of course. And um, I look forward to seeing, <laughs> Me too. You know, seeing what happens. That's what we do. Breakfast for dinner with a little bit of a mimosa. I'm going to be honest. Breakfast for sure. dinner. And we watch them in our jammies and we look at all the beautiful people winning their awards, giving each Excellent. other pats on the back. I'm, I'm rooting for Ryan Gosling and I love me some Ted Lasso. Um, those are those are my thumbs up. So thank you as always, Rick. So great to have a chance to chat with you. Pleasure, Jody. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Jill Bennett Show podcast. Can't wait for the latest episode to drop? Tune in to the Jill Bennett Show live from noon till 3 on 980 CKNW. Have a question or comment? Send me an email, jill at cknw.com. Thanks again for listening.